I'm Jim, happy Christmas, and this is On The Left Side, the funny football show. I am uh, really passionate on my job. My dream is now I, I work for Everton, that is a fantastic club. In what seems like a story that has been running since well before three wise men even Googled how long does it take to get to Bethlehem, Everton and Arsenal have finally managed to bag themselves new bosses. Everton have taken the same approach that Donald Trump did when he tried to find a wife and just thrown a load of money at the problem, thus securing the services of Carlo Ancelotti. Not that Donald Trump married Carlo Ancelotti, by the way. Give me a break. Whilst Arsenal have behaved like a petulant child and whilst everyone demanded that they needed a safe pair of hands to steady the ship, they have instead opted for a completely untested and inexperienced Mikel Arteta as their new manager. Just because we now know who is getting what job, however, doesn't mean that it's the end of the saga. The Gunners and Arteta have reportedly rattled a load of cages at Manchester City after it was revealed that the hierarchy at the club only found out their assistant was going to Arsenal for sure when they saw his unveiling on the telly. How exactly did Manchester City fail to notice that Mikel Arteta was joining the North London club is what I want to know. Did he just tell him he was nipping out for some milk and then sneak out the door trying to hide a hold all full of Manchester City branded pens that he'd liberated from the stationery cupboard? <laughs> We've all known it was going on for ages. Anyway, both Arteta and Ancelotti were appointed in plenty of time for them to watch their team's weekend performances from the stands as Everton took on Arsenal in the Premier League. What they saw was a performance that probably had them both considering just nipping for a half-time piss and never coming back because it was probably one of the most boring games of football ever witnessed. In fact, it was so dull that even those whose job it is to report on the game for radio and make it sound exciting were having a really tough job, as John Akers proved on BBC Five Live. Someone's had a shot, Mark. Someone <laughs> has had a shot. They've tried to kick the ball at the goal. Either the game was so dull that even a simple shot on goal in the second half became a major event, or John has never seen a game of football before and was just really shocked and excited by everything that was happening on the pitch at every single turn. He's wearing shorts, Mark, in this weather. Shorts! Oh, hang on, hang on. Now the referee's blown his whistle and they've all stopped running around. Quite remarkable. Sadly, it was the former. It did make me realise how difficult the job of a commentator actually is. No matter how dull and uninteresting whatever is going on in front of them is, they have to make it sound at least a little bit interesting. And if the match that's happening on the pitch isn't quite as exciting as it should be, they have to turn to inspiration elsewhere, as the commentary team found during the recent Old Firm derby. The pizza's there, the chips are inside, it's a pizza sandwich alley, one you know well. Right now. <clears throat> Tactically, she has got it all wrong. There is absolutely no way in this earth you should be putting tomato sauce in any form of pizza. That's, that's, that's poor. I would be shocked that someone is sticking chips in a pizza and making a butty, but this is Scotland. So the only real shock is that it wasn't deep fried or it wasn't a half-time snack for the players. I personally would probably rather hear commentary on things being eaten in the stands over what I usually hear on TV, actually. Maybe in the future it could be a red button option available on Sky Sports. Click over and listen to snack-based commentary rather than football-based commentary 
for the duration of the match. Well, it's 0-0 on the pitch, but what's this going on in the stands? Big John, he's only got himself a pie before half-time. Oh, phenomenal work, the vision on this man. He knew that it would be a crowded area around the concession stand. You can see he's timed his run perfectly and he's got some pastry goodness before anyone around him has even clocked what he's up to. But can he finish it off? Here he goes, he's lifting the crust to his mouth and it's in! Simply sublime work with the pie! We can only dream. Whilst there was a fair share of snooze-fest-based games in the Premier League this weekend, Liverpool were off in the sunshine actually winning trophies. Well, not actual trophies, but you get the idea. Over in Qatar, the red half of Merseyside picked up the World Club Cup, making them the greatest football team on the planet, a title that has been bestowed on them after they beat the Brazilian champions and a team currently eighth in the Mexican League. Isn't it funny how a match that was just a glorified friendly back in 2008 when Manchester United won it has suddenly gained such respect now? Incredible. Anyway, the make weight in winning that lofty title was that there was absolutely zero players left back in Liverpool to play against Aston Villa last week in the League Cup quarter-final, a game in which Liverpool were forced to field a team of young'uns and as a result got beaten 5-0 by the newly promoted Villa. That's a result that you would have thought would probably either be brushed under the carpet or met with humility and acceptance. But no, this is Liverpool Football Club. They do things differently. In fact, the 5-0 hammering was met with the stupendously misjudged headline from Liverpool.com. The moment Harvey Elliott betted Lionel Messi to show how big his Liverpool future is. Unbelievable. So... I know what you're wondering, right? How exactly did Harvey Elliott, in this 5-0 defeat, better Lionel Messi, one of the greatest footballers on planet Earth? Well, he had a shot on goal, he took a corner, and he ran around a little bit at Anfield. They might as well give him the Ballon d'Or now. It couldn't have been any more tenuous if the answer within the article was played in the League Cup semi-final, which is something that I believe Lionel Messi has actually never done. The fraud. Meanwhile, down the road at old rivals Manchester United, there is as much talk about activity off the pitch as there is on it, as normal. And also as normal, the centre of that attention is Paul Pogba, whose future has been called into question once again. You would have thought that him saying that he wanted to leave the club for a new challenge a few months ago would have been the clearest sign yet that the Frenchman actually, you know, wanted to leave the club for a new challenge. But no, everything the midfielder does and says is now seen by the tabloid papers as a new indication of where he sees his future and that that future probably is elsewhere. And to be fair, they might actually have a point. He has played just seven games this season and seems to have a mystery injury that has largely kept him from pulling on the Manchester United shirt as the January window creeps ever closer. The latest indication, according to the papers, was that Paul Pogba attended his brother's wedding. The want-away bastard. A video shot at his bro's big day did appear on social media and it did look like Paul Pogba was having a whale of a time dancing about to the music. And as always, the reaction to this kind of thing is a bit of Pogba bashing. And leading the charge for a bit of Pogba bashing, as they always do, was The Sun, who stated in the story they wrote up about the video that... He wasn't just dancing at this brother's wedding. 
He was dancing enthusiastically. Not dancing enthusiastically. I'll be honest, I'd be more upset if he wasn't dancing more enthusiastically. If he was just standing there with his blonde streak in his hair, shuffling back and forward, looking at his feet. It just wouldn't be right, would it? And you know the saying, dance like no one is watching. And if you want to play football like no one's watching, then sign for Manchester City. Part of the criticism aimed at Paul Pogba was due to him missing training for the two days that followed the wedding, which I think we can't be too critical of. Firstly, who's not been there after a wedding? And secondly, it's almost as if bopping around to some music on a dance floor involves a completely different fitness level to being a professional footballer and playing in the Premier League. Probably why my Uncle Dave, who can often be seen getting down enthusiastically to the YMCA at every single family wedding, hasn't yet been snapped up by Carlo Ancelotti for his Evertonian revolution yet. Pogba did make an appearance for Solskjaer this weekend, however, in the team's 2-0 defeat by Watford, in a game that saw the Hornet striker Troy Deeney make his fourth start of the season under his fourth manager of the season all without leaving the club in a uniquely Watford-esque stat. But it was Deeney who got my man of the match after the game, not for the penalty he scored or his constant running or his work rate during the match, but for his post-match interview after it. Check this out. What about you as well? I know you want to talk about the team, but it's the first goal in the Premier League since back in April, so you must feel better about that. No, i said it before. Real pressure is uh, watching my mum, you know, work three jobs trying to make uh, ends meet for Christmas. This is, this is football. Bob on Troy. It's dead easy to call footballers or celebrities or cultural icons heroes or to praise their hard work. But Troy is 100% spot on. It's the forgotten few who should get the praise at this time of year for doing everything they can to make sure that those they care about get the Christmas they deserve. It's them that deserve the plaudits. So... Well done, Troy. Unless you're talking about your mum working three jobs this year, in which case, you're tight bastard. Right, that is it for today's episode of Football Funny. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed us in 2019, or if you just enjoyed this show, then make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, help spread the word. If you tell one mate in 2020 and they tell two mates and they tell three mates, then it helps us stick around for the long term. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great Christmas and New Year, and I'll see you next time. Ho, ho, ho. On the left side was written and produced by those naughty little boys, Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson. Ho, ho, ho. Don't worry, they didn't get any presents from me. 